Repeat the topic with me, please. Say courageously, courageously. Fighting, fighting for things that really matter. Now, what I want to do is take a quick journey if I can. I'm not going to take long. I'm going to work my way, time myself, make sure I get you out of here. But I want to take a journey through this year's sermons. And the goal of this is simply to say, if you are not here, you now know where we are and where we're going. I started the year with a question. Every year I try to answer one big question. And I try to aim our church in one direction. I think a lot of people don't enjoy life because they're, they're, they're too busy. I think that you have too much on your plate. You have too many things you're doing. You have too many places you're going. You have too many people you're talking to. You have too many things, too many things on your calendar. There's just a sense of, of scattered chaos. And if I asked you, what are you trying to accomplish? Many times people can't tell you how much money they want to make. They're afraid of that. That's a Christian problem. You know, they're afraid of talking about money. They need money, but they're scared to talk about it. And they pray some rich person to come and just give them money. They're scared of entrepreneurship. Uh, they want the pastor to never say anything. It's just, a, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But there's this incredible resistance to sitting down and saying, what are the real conversations I need to have in my life? And that's why this question for the year was simple. What are the courageous conversations you need to have that can change your life outcomes? What are the conversations you can have and ask you to name them? And I started listing for you conversations. I started you off in the year in, in Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. And I talked to you about a conversation that God had with Moses. And the conversation went kind of like this. You know, Moses, um, you know, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that the people over time are going to get away from the fundamentals. And things are going to get messy. And he said, the first thing I'm concerned about is they're going to put other gods before me. And then they're going to start carving images of me. They, and I had some, if you remember the Play-Doh, and I, I had the Play-Doh, and I chopped it in different sizes. And pop, people say, this is, this is the God you serve. And they try to make it sound like God likes certain things, and certain behaviors are okay, and certain actions are okay, and, and they're not. And so it's a great study, and what's really cool about our church is you can get the app, the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app. It's just so cool. And all you have to do is you can look, click on sermons, and you can watch the whole thing. Anything you miss. And the sermon notes are there. It's also online. Under sermons online, you can go there. RickyTemple.com. You can go there and click on audio video. And all the sermons are listed for the last four years. Tell your neighbor, say, that is really cool. Come on. And it's all free. You can link and send it to people if you want to. So you can catch up on all these sermons if you wanted to watch them. But what I want you to notice is, I want you to notice how profound it is that when you sit down and say, I know that there's some messy potentials in my life. And, and we talked about that January all the way through April in some form. For four months, we plowed through. and We talked about your past, your present, your future. We talked about the different seasons of your life and how all those things tie together in the context of that study. It's a great study. Then we talked about, after we talked about the importance of having conversations, we talked about the importance of changing. You can't just talk all of your life. You can't just spend all of your life saying what you're going to do. You have to change. Can you use the word, say change? change. Once you talk about change, then you get to, okay, now we've got to deal with your worldview. Because your worldview is really important. You will not change until you face your worldview. What is my worldview? Take all your opinions, all of your attitudes, all of your convictions, and put them in a pot and stir it together. That's the gumbo. That's your worldview. 
So put what your mama taught you, your daddy taught you, your cousin taught you, what you experienced, all men are dogs, whatever, all women are crazy. You know, put all that in the box. That becomes your worldview. So when you interact with people, that's what you believe. I love the way Carolyn Leaf says it. She says, it's your customized way of thinking, like custom cabinets. And you interact with people. That's why you, you, how you find out. You can't go by the outside. You have, to, you have to probe inside. That's why if you're single and you want to date somebody, okay, he looks good. Great, she's fine, wonderful. Now let's see what's between the ears. Let's learn where their insecurities are. Let's learn how they feel. Let's, let's, and, and you don't get there until you talk to them, until you just look at their money, until you ask them a question, until you, until you say, why did you say that? And you, you look at how they respond to being corrected. There's something powerful about that experience. And that's way more than sexual intimacy. Excuse me if I make you nervous when I say that. It's more than kissing and hugging and dancing on TV set. That's easy. Getting along is harder. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Once you establish the worldview, then you can make a plan. So, okay, now I know your worldview. Now I know how you think. Now let's make some plans. We're clear. Your plans are, and you can lay them out. But you need to have courageous plans. So you have a conversation. You decide what needs to be changed. After you decide what needs to be changed, you look at the worldview of the person. and say, okay, this is my worldview. This, this view needs to change or that view needs to change. This thing that I put in the pot wasn't healthy. And then you start making plans. It's okay, we're going to now make new plans. And once you make plans, part of that planning has to include wealth building. Whatever plans you put together, at some point, you have to deal with the issue of wealth. And we had a whole sermon series on that where I talked about the importance of money. And here's what I believe about Christians. And then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay here long, but I probably need to. But I'm just going to say this. We have a problem with money. We have a problem with money. Churches have a problem. They ask for money. They don't teach you how to manage your money. They don't teach you to save any money. They, want, they make it sound like you're supposed to come here and just give away all your money. That's not what the Bible says. I believe in the power of tithes. Come on, say amen, church. I believe that God wants you to be a part of the team. I believe that you need to be, be, be moving in that direction. And let me just say this. Any family, not church, any family that doesn't have a respect for wealth and for building money and resources, that family, the Bible says you become the servant to the borrower. Visa is not your friend. Now, Visa can be a tool, but Visa is not your friend if you can't pay them. If you don't believe it, charge it up and don't pay them. They will call you. They will call your job. They will send you big letters with red marks on it. And then they will turn you over to people who are called collections people. And they will call you and they will hound you until you pay them. And then they'll send mean letters to the, to the credit people and tell them you don't pay your bills. And when you get ready to buy a doghouse, they'll turn you down. Come on, say amen. You need to understand the power of wealth. Can we say amen? amen. Wealth. Wealth helps you. Wealth gives you power to do good. Churches that are broke can't do anything. If you've got a bunch of members who all they want to do is come and be a part, they don't want to give, don't want to sow, don't want to, then what's going to happen is eventually you're going to run out of money. And then you make all these speeches about how churches ought to do things and help people. Well, they can't. Broke people are broke. Can we say amen to that? Amen. That means they can't help anybody. You look good, but you don't have any money. You don't have any money. You can't transfer any money. You need $1,000 right now. You have to lift your hand up and cry because you don't have $1,000. Nowhere in the world. After working all these years, sacrificing all these years. Come on, look at the preacher. I'm talking to you good now. Come on. Um, <laughs> that's not God's will. And here's my mistake. You ready? My mistake was, and, and I know God, God has prospered me and blessed me despite it, but man, I'm telling you something. Gave away too much. Gave away too much. 
You might say, what do you mean? I, just, I, just, I, don't, I think you can get to the point where you're not thinking about yourself at all. And you get into this, this religious environment, and you're real spiritual, and you really love God, and you're really caring about the things of God. And, and the pastor has to do two things which are very difficult. I have to teach you to build wealth, but I have to also teach you how to give wealth. I have to teach you how to give and to save. But most of us leave out the saving part, and we just teach you to give. So all you hear, all you hear is give, 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 give. But I don't want, this is what I said. This is, I'm going to get off this, but I want you to hear me. A broke individual equals a broke family. And a broke member equals a broke what? Church. And a broke church can't do anything but do what? Talk. Because you don't have any resources. I asked the members in the last service yesterday. I said, how many of you? would be free once a month to come out here and clean the church for me. I just need you once, once a week. Once, I need you once a week. How many volunteers do I got? Once a week. You come and mop the floors and, and uh, you start in this room. You're going to do this room by yourself. I need you. And, you got four people? Good. You're going to bring your own mops too now. You're going to bring your own mops. I need you to bring your own mops, okay? Mops. Bring your mops, okay? Good. All right, now, now we're going to go to the grass. Let's go outside. We're going to cut the grass. How many going to come to the grass one? Well, really, I'm sorry. I need you twice a week. We got to clean the church twice a week, you know, because we have midweek sometimes, so we have stuff. So I need twice a week. How many are free twice a week? You'll come twice. A, I got two people. And you keep, put, you keep putting your hand up. I know you ain't got that kind of time back there. You're laughing at me. <laughs> but I know you'll come serve. I appreciate your serving. But two twice, okay. How about, okay, let's do the grass. How many would come and cut the grass at least, at least um, well, we really have to cut the grass twice a week. You know that, right? Normally, to keep it down like that. So how many of you would come twice a week? Twice a week to cut the grass. Okay, let me try again. Nobody raised their hand. Now, let's try this. Okay, now, how many of you would come and cut the grass, bring your own lawnmower? It's not working. I got, I got, you know you ain't coming. Both of y'all need to put your hands down. You, come, you know they ain't coming out here. I know those two. They ain't even coming out here cutting no grass. Ain't even clowning me. I know the deal. Uh-huh. I know the deal. But see, here, here's, here's what's interesting. The only the, the reason that's difficult is because it's difficult. You have to have wealth. You can't buy 20 acres and expect it to be cut twice a week and expect you to work. And, and you, can't, you don't have the time to do that. And churches sometimes want to do things, but they don't have enough. They can, don't know staff. Nobody can do it. That's why when they ask churches to do things, I, say, I tell politicians, you, you, you ask him the pastor. He's by himself. He has a part-time secretary, maybe, who comes in for two or three hours a day. They don't have, they don't have the organizational system to do a whole lot of things. They try to get together and do the best they can, but they don't have any wealth. That's why the Bible established tithes and offerings. That's why God established the giving principles, so that we would have the resources pulled together to do amazing things. Come on, say amen. You hear me? Every time you see the college students pull in here next service, every time you see those buses pull in, every time you see all the stuff that's happening, when you see the ladies only conference, almost a thousand people be over there, and you went out up here begging. You don't see anybody up here running up here begging and pleading and crying and all that kind of stuff. That's how we should live. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Come on, amen. Everybody's on a God. And if you if you are not a giver, if you're not a giver, just start moving in that direction. So I can't tithe. I'm a one. I'm a oneer. I'm not a tithe. Tithe means tenth. I can only give a two percent. Well, be a two percenter, but be a faithful two percenter. Come on, say amen, right? Then become a three percenter. And you know what I believe? If you move in that direction, God will bless you. You'll be able to give more than you can imagine, abundantly above all you can ask or think. But then, come on, amen. I like that. You like that? I believe that. He'll do it. 
But then here's the deal. Once you give and honor God, here's what I want you to do. Give something to yourself. Save something for yourself. Stop being afraid of wealth. Stop being afraid of money. Money burns your pocket. Can't give $500 and start talking to you tomorrow. Start calling you. You can't have any resource. Every time, you, you know how you know this? I'm, I'm getting off this. When you look at tax return time, before your tax return is back, you go down to the place where you can borrow against your tax return and, get, and, get, and pay them part of your tax return to get the money early so you can spend it all. And then when April 15th comes, you broke again. That's not God's will. Come on, say amen. You hear me? Can I go a little further? Your job is not to help everybody in the world. Some of y'all like that part. I got that part over here. You, see, you feel that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not against helping people. I'm very generous. But I, I told you my mistake. I told you, I said, and I thank God I've survived my madness, but I'm telling you, there are some things that I've committed to in my future. And I understand that the key is for me not to just honor God, but after I honor God, I need to honor myself. If I give God 10%, I'm going to try to give myself 10%. And if I can give myself 20, I give myself 20. If I give myself 30, but when I get extra money, when God bless me, I don't plan to go around here buying all the new tennis shoes every time, buying all the new, you need a new car, your car running fine. Stop buying everything every time you get a little change. Hold on to a little bit of money so you won't have to be begging and pleading and asking folks all the time. It would be nice to transfer and save yourself. Everybody say wealth building. building. All right. Now, that's got to be a part of your plan. If you're going to succeed as a church, if you're going to succeed as a family, if you're going to succeed in business, you have to understand the power of that. If you're in business, stop saying, I'm, you just get on my nerve with this. You know, this business belongs to Jesus, and, and so whatever Jesus tells me to do with it, and it don't matter. Listen, that's going to be a broke person. Because you, 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 here's what you're afraid to say. I'm in business to make money. You're afraid to say that. But you, 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 I'm in business to glorify Jesus. To come in here to glorify Jesus, this is fine. And I'm not saying your business can't be honest. I'm not saying you can't honor God in your business. I'm not saying that. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. As a matter of fact, I'm so committed to this, I'm going to do some podcasts on it because I'm concerned. You're in business and you're broke because you, you won't act like you're in business. Open up on time. Be committed. Take care of your clients. Act like somebody who wants to make money. Come on, stay man. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll tell you a good way to lose my business. When I hire, I know I'm off. When I hire you to paint and you come here talking about the Bible, asking me about scriptures, I said, can you paint? <laughs> I didn't call you to talk about the Bible. I called to talk about painting. Can you paint? I get that sometimes. People get all spiritual, come to my house, want to bid something, and then they say, oh, you Pastor Ricky. Yeah, I'm Pastor Ricky. But can you paint? Glad you like me. Glad you like me. Honored. Okay, now can you paint? And what's your price? No, I'm not paying that. No, I'm not stupid. You see that up there? Stupid, saving stupid? No. I need to know you, you're going to give me a good price. I'm not trying to gouge you. I just understand the power of it. I need to, I, and see, that's what gets you in trouble. That's what gets a church in trouble. That's why churches can't succeed. You're afraid of money. You're afraid of wealth. You're afraid for anybody. You don't want, you didn't want your leader to have anything. You want your leader to be broke. Who want to follow a broke person? Who want to follow somebody always, always got high water pants? I get up here, my pants all high, and, and, and you say, well, Lord, did, did buy him some pants. His pants is, is short. Okay, I'm off. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I just, I just can't stand it. I'm sorry. I can't take it. It gets on my nerve. Can I run off? I'm just going to say one more thing. 
I see these preachers. You're tired. Church is tired. Preacher's tired. Everybody broke. Everything look all broke up. Bathroom look nasty. Everything, the flow look awful. Car, everything's all. You just want to say, well, what are we doing? What are we doing? Look at my house. Look at, these, look at this house. Look at this closet. Look at the doors falling down. The, the handprints all over the front. What am I doing? God, this is not your will for my life. I can do better. Can you say I can do better? Come on, say, we can do better. You, you, you got to say, we, we can do better than this. We can do better than this. This is not God's will. This is not the way it should be. You should be, you, it's going to be several millionaires in a year. A million, I think, a year. Why you can't be one of them? Why you can't believe that God's going to prosper you? Why you believe that God can't advance you? Why you spend, I, I'm, I'm really going to get off this. I promise. I'm going to move on. I, I, I study things. I study. When I watch newscasts, I watch how much they make. Go look it up. A million, two million dollars average on, on each one. Even the panel people, they make $100,000, $500,000, $700,000. And you're sitting there watching everybody making all these millionaires. You watch everybody. You watch the millionaires run up and down the court. Shoot that ball, Curry. Go ahead, shoot that ball. That's $200 million a year. Go ahead, Curry. I like him too. But he make $200 million a year. He ain't in my situation. Come on, say man. <laughs> I got a different situation. You so you so into your football, you so but you just as broke as you can be. You don't have any future, you don't have any goals. If you miss one week of work, you're asking God for a miracle. That ain't God's will. Come on, church, say amen if you hear me. That is not God's will. All right. All right. I'm sorry. 17 minutes, too long. All right. Everybody say conversations, conversations. changes, changes. Worldview. worldview, plans, plans. wealth building. Worldview. All those are important conversations you need to have. Sitting down and saying, let's have a conversation. Let's decide if we want to go forward. And then once you do that, you set priorities. These are the things that go first. And these are the things that go second. I can't do everything. I frustrate people because I won't do everything. They call me, they ask me, where you at? Where's Ricky Temple? I said, if I come to all these parties, if I come to all these meetings, if I come to everybody, well, you're gifted. I may be gifted, but I can't be. Look here, I have time but no space. My problem is space. I have a lot of time, but if I give everybody space, everybody that calls me, I'm in, you answer every, you do, bling, I say, hello, bling, take text, you, you can't do anything. No wonder you can't get bad grades in school. No wonder you're broke. You're broke because you spend all your time texting people who ain't got no money. You ain't got no money. Nobody has any money. Everybody's broke. You need to focus your attention. Come on, say amen. I'm trying to help you. It's really, it's really amazing. How we, we sometimes have gotten so lost in our priorities that we can't, number the last one, be focused. Focused. I've got book projects stuff I've been doing, but I'm going to tell you part of the challenge is no, no, focus. And then I got to do one last thing. I got to fight. And then I got to fight with faith. This month we talk about fighting. Next month we talk about faith. You have to come to a moment where you understand, listen, I'm not going to get to any place I want to be without a fight. Courageous fighting is about you understanding that in order for you to get there, you have to fight. So here's the question for the month. You ready? What do you really need to fight for in your life? What in your life that really matters and you need to fight for? Is it your health? Did the doctor give you some news that says if you just walk or if you do what, what did he tell you? Think about the things you need to fight. I came up with a list, a personal Ricky Temple list. I can show it to you. I have it written. These are the things that are the most important to me. These are the things that I refuse to let happen to me. These are the things that I insist 
that I deal with, cut off, get rid of, deal with, talk about. I got some plans. I got dates set, financial plans, emotional plans. My mind was too clogged with stuff. My, my, my heart, I, I got to learn how I work. Why would I be depressed? One of the biggest problems with preachers is depression. You know why you're so depressed? Because you're running everywhere, talking to everybody, doing everything. Your life is out of control. Get a list together. Set some priorities and focus. And then fight. Now let me show you how that works. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. For the next month, we're going to spend all of our time in this verse. We're going to be here a long time for at least three sermons. And what I want to do is I want to set the stage for these next three sermons. Let me show you what he says. There's a, there's a comment that Jesus says to his disciples. And this comment was amazing. And I want to show you the comment. And I'm going to show you why he made the comment. He announces to the disciples that, that there is a necessary fight about to happen. That in order for them to win, they needed to know how to fight. Verse 24 of Matthew 16. Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his what? Cross and what next? And follow me. Three things. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Can you say all three? Come on. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, live safe. Take no risk. Will lose his life. Whoever loses his life for my sake and will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man gain in exchange for his soul? Just remember the comment I had when I told somebody I was going to college to study theology and I was going to be a pastor. Or not a pastor. I didn't say pastor. I never said that. Never, 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 never. Preacher, I said. I'll be a preacher or something like that. I didn't know what that meant. Never a pastor. Never said it. Never prayed for it. Never asked for it. But anyway, when I told this person this one time, I remember, never forget. She said, you're going to be broke. She says, you're going to be broke. You need to get yourself a job in some other field. And this was a per- at church during Sunday school hour. I never will forget it. And she was loud and she was, she was very, very clear. That's a horrible idea, Temple. You need to not do that. You need to not go to school for theology. You don't need to do that. You need to go to school for something else. And I was trying to be nice. She was an older lady and I was just trying to be nice. But she was loud. And so the pastor's wife sent somebody to come get me. She said, I thought I'd come save you. But I, it was amazing how strongly she felt. And it's sad that she felt that way, but here's what I, I've learned. I've learned that if I give my life to Christ, I've found the opposite to be true. It's when I try to give half of me, if I try to save half of me, that I lose. But if I give him my whole life, I win. And here are the three things Jesus was simply saying. You must deny yourself. And that's one of the toughest things to do. You can deny the people. But denying you is tough. You must take up a cross. That's tough. Take up responsibility and carrying it. It can be difficult. And then here's a tough thing, following people. I believe you must be willing to follow people that can help you. Having the courage to say, this is the kind of person I need to get behind. Who do you follow? You're a follower of who? Name the person that gives you counsel and advice. 
Now, Jesus said all these words in a brief conflict he had with Peter. And probably the word conflict may be a little too strong. It may be the word conversation he had with Peter about a fight announcement he made earlier. This statement we just read was made after he had a conversation with Peter. He was trying to warn the disciples that success would not come without them working through some difficult fight moments. He wanted them to understand, okay, guys, we're getting ready. In chapter 16 of Matthew, he turns the page and says, okay, guys, let me tell you something you don't know. And let me show you in chapter 16, verse 21, what he said that prompted this exchange between he and Peter. Watch this. From that time, Matthew 16, 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to where? Jerusalem. And suffer. This is the problem. He makes this announcement. Peter, guys, we have to suffer many things. Not a few things, many things. From the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Okay, wait a minute. You're talking about me or you? <laughs> I, you know, this whole conversation is going south here, okay? We just got through healing the sick and raising the dead. And now you come back without any warning and make this announcement. Okay, guys, here's what's going to happen. We're all going to suffer and be killed. You just want to be killed part. Go back and explain that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be killed and, and then I'll be raised the third day. Okay, you're going to come back from the grave. This is really getting weird. Never seen that before. I want you to think about this as the first time you heard it, conversation. What would you say? Oh, that's great. Sign me up for that. I like the killing part. That's good. I mean, what part do you like? The suffering part? The killing part? It's all awful. Now watch what happens. Verse 22. Peter <laughs> took him aside. Can we talk for a minute, Jesus? Come here. Me and you. Just me and you. Okay? And he began to rebuke him. What in the world are you doing? What in the world are you saying to people about suffering and dying and all the killing? It's all bad. You were doing good with the healing of people. Now you done turn, you've turned this conversation into this killing people stuff, and he began to rebuke him. And I want you to watch this. This is classic. This is classic. I don't know if you had anybody talk to you like this. Jesus turned. I love that part. He just turned. <laughs> he turned. Jesus turned, verse 23, and said this to Peter. Peter, that's not what I mean. You misunderstood me, Peter. Let me break it down for you. No, that's not what he said. He said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> this is pretty strong, right? I don't know if you ever had anybody do that. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor for me. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you that. Come on. Say, so I'm not going to tell you that. Come on. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. But I mean, just see, notice how you just felt this minute ago, right? Don't tell me to say that to my neighbor now. I'm not going to tell my neighbor. Get behind me, Satan. Satan. You're Satan. You're Satan. <laughs> You know when you preach, your wicked things come to your mind sometimes. I went out with a girl one time. It's true. I told the story before. <laughs> and she said, she, said, she, said, she said, what you going to school for? I said, well, I'm going to school, study the Bible. She said, oh, really? She said, you know, I'm Satan. <laughs> she did. She said, you know, I'm Satan. You know, I'm the devil. <laughs> that was the last date right there. That was the last... That's a true story. She said, you know, I'm Satan. With her eyes all fluttering. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I said, okay. 
girl still told me that. I see her in my mind today. I hope you're okay, girl, wherever you are in Jesus' name. If you're watching, Jesus, amen. Bless her. I'm, I was, she told me that. Anyway, don't ask me anymore. That's enough. All right. <laughs> True story. So he, look, she, he looked at them in verse 23, and he said, get behind me, Satan. And he didn't stop there. He said, you are an offense to me. You're stumbling block in my way. <laughs> That's what offense is. You're an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're thinking like a man, not like God. That is a tough moment. Now watch what happens. Peter's rebuked for rejecting the fight announcement that Jesus made. Think about what's happening here. Peter makes a statement. Jesus rebukes him because he says, listen, let me tell you something, Peter. You're thinking wrong. Watch this. Peter learns three important lessons. First of all, he learned that Jesus openly embraced the need for challenge. He said he must go to Jerusalem. I've got to go. There's some things that are part of it. And let me tell you something. There are certain things you must do. Secondly, he learned that Jesus rebuked people who denied the need for challenge. Thirdly, he learned that Jesus linked the anti-fight attitude to a satanic influence. In other words, if you listen to a lot of Christians, that's kind of what we sell people sometimes. That you're going to serve God and you're not going to have any big issues and it's not going to be hard and everything's going to be so easy for you and, you know, because God delivered you from everything and so you should never have any money challenges. You should never have any people challenges. Everything should just be simple. You should go to school and make all A's without any challenges. It's going to be just a wonderful life. Hallelujah. That's what's going to happen. God's going to deliver me. Why should I be bound? God delivered me. Why should I be bound? Because you're in a fight. There are moments when you are in a fight. There are moments when you must learn how to fight. And let me tell you, you don't learn how to fight until you fight. You learn how to deal with people, and that's part of it. Let me ask you something. Anybody know about a daddy tax? Yeah, you do. A daddy tax is when you have to pay for a car that's not your car to fix it. Anybody know what a mama tax is? Oh, yeah, you know what a mama tax is. A mama tax is when you're well, but they're sick, and they expect you to go stay in their room. And breathe their coughing. <laughs> and you, don't, you got work tomorrow, but you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning with those sick children. That's called a mama tax. Can you say a mama tax? Mama. You know about a mama tax and a daddy tax? How about a brother tax? You know about that's my brother. He in trouble. I got to bail him out again. That's a brother tax. There are taxes you pay. There's a preacher tax, a pastor tax. I'm in here minding my own business. You understand your children are oh, in these children's areas in church, and I'm responsible. If something happens to your child, Lord help me, Jesus, I am responsible. That's called a pastor tax. You understand? So that's why I understand, I understand that. I, and I tell the story. Sometimes in life, it's like that. And you have a responsibility. You have a cross to bear. You have a challenge, and next week, I'm going to take you on a journey, and I'm going to show you how for many of us, you want a lot from God, but you're not willing to fight for it, and let me tell you who the first person is you have to fight, yourself. I wrote it down for you. What is next week's sermon? What's it called? Courageously fighting who? The challenge of what? Self-denial. You want to know where the fight starts? It ain't your mama. 
not your daddy's not your boss it's your mouth it's your words it's your attitude it's your insecurities it's not your husband it's you looking in the mirror and saying I'm afraid I'm scared to death scared of what's in front of me ashamed of what's behind me I have to fight myself sometimes I tell myself get up Tim come on boy I need you to get going I need you to tell yourself you can preach one more sermon you got one more message in you you can do this three times yes you can you don't have to be afraid you can get it done you don't want to fight but you want everything look at me look at me you want a great marriage I'm sorry it's not free let me give you a prophecy never happen because you're scared to fight you're trying to be some perfect person who never makes you angry they don't exist I need a, I need someone like Pastor Ricky who's really spiritual I'd make you mad you'd be tired of me in about two seconds and I'd be tired of you too come on talk to me somebody I want to work at the church the church would be a wonderful place to work I'd make you tired here too because I ain't going to let you be late you got to come to work now. You got to show up and you got to have a good attitude. Amen. I lift your hands up. We lift our hands up, oh God. Some of us have become anti-fight. We have lost our way. We're raising children. That's a fight call. There are seasons when it's going to be tough I'm in business that's a fight call business will go up and business will go down I must fight my way forward some people are too wimpy to be blessed scared to ask you work for people and they owe you money you won't even send an invoice chicken that's why God can't prosper you you won't do right you won't admit you don't know what you're doing you won't ask for help Father, help us to fight off our pride, fight off our insecurities. Let somebody show us where we're wrong. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hands down real quick. I, I got to go. The best, one of the best moments in my life. When somebody sat me down over 10 years ago and said, let me ask you something. Longer than that. Longer than that. Years ago. What you see? What you see right there, Pastor? Ray? How much money you got? Let me see how much money you got. Tell me what you see, Pastor. Ray. Look at this balance sheet. Tell me how much money you got. I said, Oh, I got it. I, I said, I don't know, fifty thousand something. I said, They said, No, you don't. You got current liabilities too. See that? That's twenty-five thousand. You ain't got no fifty thousand, Pastor. Ray, you ain't got twenty-five thousand. You got ten. I didn't know. I read profit laws. I know I understand all that. I understand a lot of things. My ignorance was vast. You look at the preacher, you hear me. You can be saved, love God, but if you don't let anybody help you, if you don't let somebody help you, you keep ignoring what's obvious, 
not get through this. You want to be, you want to, you have to fight off your pride. Let somebody help you. Best advice I can give you today. I'm done. You enjoyed yourself. Father, we pray for people in this room today who've heard a message that made them think about their walk with you. Many of them have said, I need, I need this, but I also need a walk with God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Pray for me that I can start my life off in the right direction. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need God in my life. I need God to help me in all the areas we talked about today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you because you know your walk with God is what you need to start with. That's where your priority should be. If that's you, just raise your hand and put it down. I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Who am I praying for today? Let me see. Who else am I praying for? Put your hands up and put it right back down. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm praying for you today. This is it. I'm praying for you today. Some of you are watching from home. This is your moment. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray for those who raise their hearts and their hands. May this be the moment they say, Jesus, I need you in my life, and I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. This is where it all starts. An honest moment with God, an honest conversation. And so we trust you in Jesus' name. Can the church say amen? Amen. That's step number one, okay? Here's step number two.